Welcome to Wee Fish ASA, the best iron fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We're always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. Wee Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the ASA, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of product that fits your fishing lifestyle and passion in Daiwa. They've got your bass covered. They certainly do. Daiwa Reels. We've got a new episode of our podcast up every week. It's available everywhere you get podcasts. You can always check out our website, wefishasa.com. We are produced by our executive producer, Mr. Brad Nearman, down in Lando Lakes, Florida. Hey, Brad, how you doing? On today's show, we welcome Molly Simpkins, executive director and co-founder of Guide Relief. This is an interesting, interesting program and association that uh, we're happy to tell you about today. Molly Simpkins, and then we've got Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Him and Dave are going to tell some tales about bucket list places to fish. Some they've been to, some they would like to. Bucket list fisheries. And I get to spend some time with the best fisherman on the planet. Yeah, you know who he is. Three letters, tell it all. KVD. Kevin Van Dam. KVD coming up. First of all, let's swing it over to Dave Krantz, who's going to bring on Dan Johnson from St. Croix. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnson. Hey, Dave. How are you? I am doing good. You know, we we always uh, try to come up with something interesting for these topics that we get to talk about, and seeing how we're on our in our seventh year of programming, it's uh, it's not always the easiest. We repeat some, but we have never done this. I, I we have never talked about top fishing destinations, bucket list places that people want to go to. And I know for myself, I got to go to a couple of mine uh, by fishing, Major League Fishing, uh, Toyota and Costa Series. And I know you have some bucket list places that maybe you wanted to go to and you did. And uh, we can give the uh, listeners a little insight on these places, can't we? We can, and it's one of the toughest topics you've ever given me because I want to go everywhere, uh, really. <laughs> I mean, we, we, you, seriously, you, there's so many places, whether it's internationally or, you know, domestically. Um, it's just, it's it's a mind-boggling topic. But, you know, I, I have some of my all-time favorites, and it might not be that way for everybody, but a lot of it's sentimental value from going up to these places ever since I was a little, little boy. and. Northern Minnesota bass fishing is absolutely one of those. We've been going up there forever, and it's just a gem. Um, we have dozens of lakes we fish that are just phenomenal. Clear water, vegetation, you have rock. It's, you get tons of fish, and it's the scenery is awesome, and it's still got Midwestern values, and it's just amazing. And in Lake of the Ozarks, is kind of like my second home anymore. I keep my boat down there in the wintertime, and just for whatever reason, it's one of the best pattern lakes, I say, that I've ever fished. You can establish things, and even though there's a lot of pressure, if you figure something out, there's so much of it that you can usually uh, have a lot of success down there, too, you know. But uh, I would say, when you ask me that question, the two things that I really want to do, one of them's more of, and the other one's 
for the first time. Number one is I want to go back to Mexico trophy bass fishing. I've been down there twice, both times on photo shoots. And when you're on a photo shoot, you fish, but you don't really fish. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that is, I went to El Salto and I knew every time I threw that 10 inch worm out there, I could get my string stretched a mile on something I have no business hooking into. And that's something that, uh, a good friend of mine down there, Billy Chapman, owns Anglers International um, Lodges down there, and it's just a, it's just an absolutely awesome trip. And then the second one, I want to do the offshore uh, two three day deal. Uh, what's going on right now is the bluefin tuna are closer to the shore than really they've ever been, and it's been sustained, and that's happening happening on the east coast and the west coast. But I've spent more time out on the west coast. But these boats will go out and target them. Then they'll go way out for yellowfin and um, calico bass is something that I just really, really need to do. It's it's really like largemouth fishing, but you're flipping kelp that's 30 foot deep. It's just awesome stuff that I've never done before. So that's probably one of the things that's really on my radar for a for a to do that I haven't done yet. Yeah, and you you say about the the offshore two and three day. We uh, recently had Ish Monroe on, and he was on the west coast, and he went out and did one of those for two or three days. And I think he said they caught like five hundred. I mean, it was a crazy number, and it was fish after fish after fish on the tuna. And uh, of course, uh, you know, some of them they brought back to eat, and uh, he's got fillets, and and just sounded like the kind of place. So I, I've. Since we just did that episode with him, I think two weeks ago, it, it, it uh, I was surprised to hear that come out of your your mouth. Oh, it, I I didn't hear that episode, but um, I, I'm a big sushi fan too. So okay, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I'm just tying all these things together. But the the ocean is so awesomely overwhelming for an angler that it's just it's always been i've done quite a bit of saltwater fly fishing um over the years but i've never done the offshore thing with conventional gear and it's just you talk to those people down there and it's it's a different world and not only the numbers of fish but the types of fish and they're, they're, those people are so hardcore and so dialed into what they do and it just sounds that that trip just sounds absolutely awesome to me but I, I'll tell you what, getting a 15 pound largemouth wouldn't be a bad deal either. And that's, that's no something that's been always, I'm, I don't put myself in, but I had, I have, I've had two on in Texas that I would call not 15, but well over 10. Double digits. Yeah. Yeah. One of them I had right to my hands at night oh. on a 10 inch worm and it broke my line right at my hand. Um, so that's something that I, I just, um, it, it, makes me just uh, awestruck imagining a bass that big and i know there's listeners out there that live in florida or california that catch those with somewhat regularity but i sure don't put myself in positions here in the midwest to even have a chance to do that no no some of the some of the uh, saltwater fishing that i've got to do that was the best was extapa zehuatanejo uh in mexico and uh cabo i get down to cabo san lucas quite often um about every other year we'll go down there for a vacation and i always get two or three days on the water and most of the time the uh the marlin fishing is is crazy where you can catch multiple fish every outing and it's um you know, it, it, and it's not that expensive because you can take a panga out with you and a captain and, and sometimes a, a first mate or sometimes not. And you can catch these fish because they're a mile or two offshore. They're not far. 
Well, that's the thing. And, it, and it's something that obviously it would be of great benefit to get with somebody that knows what they're doing. And one thing about that kind of fishing, it's not like you or I go into a Midwest lake and pulling up uh, Lake Master and Avionics and figuring out a channel swing and going catching bass within a couple hours. It's not that way. No. I mean, this these are tide-based. It's water temperature. It's they, they, they have it dialed to where if you don't really know what you're doing, it would be overwhelming and you probably wouldn't do well at all. But if you get with the right people, it's a fishery that's just, just, uh, just beyond awesome out there. And i tell you another thing I really want to do is really number three. You mentioned when you gave me these topics to give you a top two, but the, the other thing I really want to do is giant trevally on a fly rod oh boy, and yeah. catch those like a Christmas Island or something. They're, they're apparently like a an angry Volkswagen on steroids when you hook <laughs> them. They call them the bullies of the flats and they're just absolutely thugs. They tear your tackle up and I would love to do that. They come by in big wolf packs and they range big time in size. Those, those big ones are Big, strong, aggressive fish, shallow water, and that'd be another thing I'd really like to do. Oh, absolutely. And and I uh, uh, always wanted to go to uh, Thousand Islands for the Smallies and Lake Champlain when I would watch these tournaments uh, uh, take place at those places. And about and five years ago, I got to do that on the Toyota Series and start going to those places. And now I've fished in both those places four or five times, and I'm going to go back to those this year. But I would recommend highly anybody who has a... Uh, Lake Champlain for largemouth and smallmouth, you can go, and depending on where you go uh, on that body of water, you can catch them both in the same day, or you can catch them, you know, smallmouth one day and largemouth the next. And Thousand Islands is the same way. Although it's known as a smallmouth fishery, I have seen really nice largemouth there, five-pound-plus largemouth, which on the Canadian border is a really old fish, and it's just a blast to go there and uh, experience these places. One thing I would recommend is is look at those tournament schedules that they're holding big tournaments there when they got 100 or 200 or 300 boats. And don't go on a week, plan a vacation after a week after it's been beat up from you know a week of practice and two or three days of tournaments. So try to pick times that you have several weeks uh, in between because those waters do get pounded. And I think you could say that about almost anywhere, couldn't you? Yeah, especially someplace like Champlain. I mean, it's as good of smallmouth fisheries there is on the planet when you talk about numbers and size combined. It's the, the weights they weigh out there. And you watch the way they're catching them. Some of those drone shots, I mean, they're fishing those shallow bars, and you can just see them swimming around, and it's just, yeah. And I've been blessed working for St. Croix. You know, we're just covered up with phenomenal smallmouth fishing up in northern Wisconsin. And it's taken me, you know, quite a few years to get some of these places really dialed in. But that's been that's been pretty special, too. It's certainly not, you know, it doesn't have the uh, the stigma that Champlain has. But, boy, you get a, up on some of those flowages, some places that are even dangerous to run your boat. And you get back there, and it's like, it's almost like you're in the boundary waters, but you've got a bass boat with a 250 on it. And it's just there's nobody around, and it's just uh, it's awesome. So I, I think the moral of the story in this episode is to think outside the box and do something different because while doing what we do all the time is great, and it's certainly a blessing to just get out fishing anywhere, when you extend yourself and do something you've never done, it opens yourself to a world that's just incomprehensible. And this this saltwater offshore thing is, is evidence of that. I haven't done it yet, but from every time I go out there and everybody that talks to me, it's, they say it would be some of, if not the best fishing I've ever had in my life. And that's a that's a pretty strong statement. 
Yeah, and being in the Midwest where it's uh, cold and and the lakes have uh, ice on them, it's nice to dream about uh, top fishing destinations and to think about it and talk about it. And, uh, you know, even even panfish, I would like to go somewhere where I could consistently catch 10 or, or bigger inch bluegills or 15-inch or crappies or something like that. But um, great, great episode to talk about it and think about it and, uh, and dream about it. But uh, as always, Dan, uh, appreciate your time and your knowledge and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Hey, Dave, thanks so much. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran, Steve Seiler's Remote, and this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran, Steve Siley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say that every guest I get to interview on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does. She is Molly Simpkins. She is the executive director and co-founder of the Guide Relief Program and Outdoor Guide Association. Welcome to the program, Molly. Hey, Dave. Thanks. Uh, glad to have you here. So give us a little background. What, what are these uh, groups doing and, and uh, tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, so they both were born out of COVID. Um, I work at a fly shop in Livingston, Montana. It, it really is my first foray as um, uh, working in the industry. I worked peripherally for, with, you know, different nonprofits through the years. Um, but working at the shop, part of my job is doing the outfitting and working with guides and clients. And uh, when COVID hit... Oh my gosh, that's like almost three years ago. Yeah. Uh, crazy. The owner of the shop and my boss um, said, what can we do to help guides? Guides in Montana and, and, and most of the country are independent contractors, so they don't have any employ employment benefits or any kind of safety net if something happens to go sideways. So knowing that, you know, I, I've spent some time professionally and personally doing fundraising and and working in development. So when he asked me, 
can we raise money for guys who are going to lose income over the summer? I was like, absolutely. So things kind of started, and I, I surrounded myself with a group of people in Montana. It was just for Montana at mm-hmm. the time. Um, who were in the industry, who had some reach and some connections. Um, but then the CARES Act passed, and every independent contractor in the country was able to get unemployment and $600 a week. So I didn't feel quite right raising money and taking money from donors from people who were going to get unemployment. So we kind of pivoted a little bit. Um, most guides have never had to deal with unemployment in the best of times. It's a challenge. Right. Um, and, and no the country, no state, nobody has ever done anything like that. So it took a while. So we helped them uh, navigate in unemployment, uh, PPP and idle loans. If they had some issues with anything financial within if they needed help with energy or phones or utilities or maybe some food insecurities we, we just kind of helped point them all in the right direction and doing this i was like why isn't there really anything that supports guides in a meaningful way at least in my orbit so that's what happened and we just kind of called it the guide relief program um and so that's how it started yeah, and no. as I as I started noodling it around in my head, I'm like, well, I wonder if we could do something regarding health benefits and mental health, and and so I just kind of went off. Um, so that's kind of the genesis of of the guide relief program. Um, one thing I will suggest to anyone who's starting any nonprofit is to engage a good attorney. Um, and in doing so, he said, you know the you want to do two very different things. And in the eyes of the IRS, you have to have two organizations. So the guide relief program offers financial support in the way of small grants to guides who have suffered hardship of some kind. The other part of the guide relief program is that any guide who applies, um, all they have to do is prove their guide, gets two free months of mental health care access to our partners um no questions asked you sign up i upload your email and you're off and the only thing i see regarding that are some some data yeah. so that's the guide relief program no um, that's good and that's you know really um everything that's been happening the last couple of months is focused on the guide relief program and a quick and the, and the outdoor guide association is a membership organization for guides um it's $50 a year. Honestly, I don't even know if that model works or not, but it's it's affordable. And for any member, they join, they automatically get those two free months of mental health services. Um, but then for, you know, a couple hundred dollars a year, they get a discount health program. It is not full health insurance, but uh, they get free telehealth, discount dental and vision and vitamins and pharmacy and roadside assistance and pet care. Um, if they're in a state that requires liability insurance, we have access to liability insurance or accident or disability or life insurance. Um, and we're going to start some other um, benefits for them. So it's like uh, it's a holistic membership organization, right? We want you to be healthy, mentally, physically, financially, all of the above. So those are the two organizations no that's that's good and i i think that uh, people don't think about what guides do uh they think oh they're fishing all the time but the preparation before and after and getting ready for the next day what what kind of fishing is done in your area is it primarily trout yeah so um 
it, it is important for me to say that these organizations are open to any kind of guide. Okay. Fly, conventional. I have a, for the Outdoor Guide Association, I have a young lady in Wisconsin who's an ice fishing guide. There you go. So, right? Um, so, here in Montana, you know, we got blue, you know, blue ribbon trout streams. Mm -hmm. So, essentially, it's mostly fly fishing in the area. Um, streams can have brown trout, cutthroat, rainbow trout, white fish. Um, so, those... Those are generally um, what people come to Montana for. Yeah, yeah, and 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 out of COVID happening, this this idea came into your head to to do this, and 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 isn't that the way a lot of things happen? Is in, until something actually happens that you you need it, there isn't that type of relief for anybody. And I think that's great that you came up with this and that it's it's working, and there is opportunities for guides to um, have some support. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, 2022 was a big year for us. We were, you know, even though we were founded um, in 2020, it's taken a couple of years to build up and get the word out. I'm very fortunate to have, you know, people in the industry that I know and support what we're doing. But in 2022, after the uh, the Yellowstone River flood, which is yeah. my backyard, um, we were able to start fulfilling our mission and writing checks to guides who lost income. So that, you know, that is a really awesome feeling to know that, you know what, you're it's starting to happen. And I can see by the data for the Guide Relief Program that somebody's actually, people are actually using that free mental health care. So that's quite rewarding as well. Yeah, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, there's always the need no. for mental health care. And, and that's good that these uh uh, men and women that are guiding have an uh, outlet to get it if they need it. And and I, I think all of us uh, going through COVID not knowing certain things, uh, you know, maybe it's just a matter of, of uh, just being able to have that resource to talk to somebody. It was a good thing. It is, you know, and, and you kind of alluded to the fact that, and, and I'm guilty of this, when I used to come out here, you know, be with a guide anywhere, you know, you show up at eight or nine o'clock, you're on the water, it's beautiful, you're catching fish, but until I was actually in this industry doing this job, guiding is a hard job. It is long hours, morning and night, you know, and, and, you know, not all the clients are pleasant. Most are, yeah. um, you know, you have to be, uh, we call them the frontline workers of the industry for a reason because they are, they have their hands in everything and it is stressful. And often they have a short window of time in which to do that three or four months to get the majority of their income for the year. And that's hard. And some of them don't take a day off. Yeah. They work for 100, 120, 130 days a year straight. So it's hard. Yeah, it is. And they are, you said, the front lines. They're the educators of our industry. They yes. teach people how to catch fish. They teach them how to handle the fish. They teach them yep. how to use the equipment. And and you don't always get a real skilled angler that hires a guide. Sometimes it's somebody that uh, doesn't have their skills themselves, so they need a guide. And so it is a very yep. uh, necessary uh, uh, profession in many parts of the country. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's been... Um, we just did a year-end fundraiser for the Guide Relief Program. Orvis um, gave us $10,000. Uh, and as you can imagine, that's a, that's a heck of a lot of money. So yeah. that money was used for our year-end fundraiser as a matching program. So 
every dollar donated was matched by Orvis up to $10,000. Um, and then another company came in called the Boat Company, and it's an excursion company out of Alaska who also matched that $10,000. Um, so we raised about $30,000 at the end of the year um, to support, you know, the guides upcoming in 2023. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing is um, we're really expanding our outreach nationally. Um, So it's important for guides all over the country to know that, that both of these organizations are here and that we're supporting you. Um, Pat from the national professional anglers association Mm -hmm. um, sent us a check for $1,500, and initially that was going to be turned into two thousand or $3,000. Now it's $4,500, so I'm heading down to their conference um, this week, and I will be, be presenting the United Way a check for $4,500 to help guides in the Fort Myers area. Excellent. So Excellent. it's all, you know, it all is connected, and it's, so yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I'm it- so excited to do it. It is. So if people want to find out more about this, uh, where do they find you and how do they contact you? Pretty easy. Um, the Guide Relief Program is guidereliefprogram.org. Um, all, our conf- all our information is on there. You can email, you can call. Um, more information on that. Happy to answer any questions, obviously. And uh, Outdoor Guide Association, Association is pretty much the same, Outdoor Associate, outdoorguideassociation.org. Excellent. GuideReliefPrograms.org, yeah. OutdoorGuideAssociation.org. Molly Simpkins, we appreciate the uh, insight on what you're doing here and uh, all the guides across the country. And everybody at Fishers should be happy about this because they have the opportunity to use a quality guide. And uh, thanks for coming on the program today. Well, thanks so much for having us. I appreciate you know, your interest in, in what we're doing. No problem. Thank you. That was Molly Simpkins. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. 
distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. Please remember that We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you are an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting them at asafishing.org. I don't know what to do here. I can not introduce this guy, just say his name because you all know who he is, or I can spend half the interview talking about his incredible record. I am pleased to be joined by the greatest bass fisherman on planet Earth, the one and only Kevin Van Dam. KVD, welcome. Hey, Steve. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing okay. I don't know. You probably don't remember. I've... Uh, uh, introduced you face to face a number of times at sports shows, and I always uh, introduce you wrong. I give you more victories than you have credit for because I'm always looking to the future, knowing you're never going to stop winning and the numbers are going to keep going up. Do you feel that way? Well, I always think that way. Think that way. So uh, you know, you gotta um, you gotta believe you can win if you're if you're going to win. That's for sure. So on tour, it's it's never been tougher than it is these days. And uh, but I'm pretty excited to be kicking off a new year here before too long. So I mean, it's uh, we got a heck of a schedule this year on the Bass Pro Tour. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm kind of in that full prep mode right now. Excellent, absolutely excellent. You know, talking about that, you know, having confidence that there's a, a victory coming up. I look at it, and we've talked to guys, and, and Dave and I will talk after an interview, and, and it always uh, makes us, uh, it really gets our attention when somebody will talk about being there and, and thinking that they can collect the check. And I always find that the best guys don't ever talk about collecting a check. They talk about winning. Uh, was there any stage in your career where you were a fisherman who was out there to, to get paid? And then changed into a guy who thought he had a chance of winning every time he was out there. Well, I, I'll tell you what. Um, early on, I, I definitely uh, was real focused on making sure to, you know, to not screw up on the final day and and get you know and get a check. But once you win, um, nothing really satisfies like that. And it's it is a different at, attitude. It's a it's a different mental state to to focus to put yourself in position to win so um and and the only thing that really sets you up for that is winning <laughs> to, to understand what it takes so it's one of those things that uh once you've done it you know it it, it makes it makes all the sense in the world and the more that you do it the more you appreciate it and, and that's the same for me you know? i've been doing this a long time and i've been fortunate to have a lot of success and win a lot of win a lot of tournaments so what you learn in time is just how much to to appreciate it. You know, early on, I don't think I understood the magnitude of what it was to to get a win of a Bassmaster Classic or you know a tour level win or you know championship angler of the year, whatever it was. And as you mature and progress, you you understand just how hard it is. And each time, you never know when your last is going to be. So. 
I've learned to really appreciate it and to, uh, I guess, cherish it when you get in that uh, spot. I, I agree. That's a that's a great answer and a great explanation. And the the only thing I will uh, take exception with you is hearing you say how long you've been doing it. And, you know, you you've been doing it for a while. You started fishing professionally in 1990. Uh, for a, a real old guy like me, 1990 seems like yesterday. You've been doing this for, I guess, thir- that means you've been doing it 32 years. You're, you're still a very young man. you got an early start on this. And, and I get, I actually get offended when I see people uh, classifying you with the dances and the the, and the Parkers and guys like say, yeah, the old-time guys are the best. Man, oh man, this guy's a generation younger than them. Quit aging him. If you're going to say he's old, I ought to be in a nursing home for Pete's sake. Does that ever get you aggravated when people talk about you at being older than you are? No, no. I mean, I don't. You can't get wound up about, <laughs> um, especially these days with social media, and that you you really can't worry about what people say or think. It's you know, you just. You just, I just got to be pretty satisfied with who I am and what I do, how I do it. Um, you know, I don't, I've never competed for the money or the accolades, you know, for, you know, I, I don't think I have a giant ego or anything like that, but uh, um, I do it because I love it. I, I love the competition. I like the people. And it's just, for me, it's a, a lot of fun. Uh, that aspect that's why i still do it today is because i love it you know you have to have a passion for it or you're not going to be successful out there on tour these days and and you know what everybody knows you can fish uh you've proven that time and time again it's everything that goes into the business of fishing that you were involved in that you have handled so masterfully uh you have never gotten any phrase nobody ever says Oh, Kevin Van Dam is a jerk. He did this. He did that. You're not fighting with people on social media. You are what I would definitely uh, call a class act. There is no question about that. I don't think there's a classier fisherman on the water than you. Well, you know, I am the person that uh, I guess my parents raised me to be, and um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I'm not perfect. Um you, you, I try to, you know, I've, I've learned a long time ago that in, in this business, you, um, fans are, are what makes, you know, I mean, that's, that's who I work for in the end. I mean, that's why I have sponsors because I have a fan base and people, um, you know, believe in, uh, you know, the, the products and things that I, that I endorse or, you know, if I, uh, read a story or do an interview and talk about a technique or do a show, you know, people are learning, you know, they want to become better fishermen and you want to help them out. So you, I definitely don't want to ever steer anybody wrong in, in, in that sense. And you, all you have is your credibility in the end. And uh, I've worked real hard to build that. And again, like I say, yeah, sure. I've not made everything happy for forever. It's, it's impossible to do, but, uh, I, try, I work real hard at it, try try my best in oh. that sense. And, uh, and you know, for the most part, I, I feel like I do a pretty good job. Oh, no, you do, you do a damn good job of it. And I, I've seen you in, in public at shows, 
And when somebody, say you have a commitment to be somewhere for a, a, an interview or a, a filming or something, you're, you're at a show and somebody comes up and says, oh, Kevin, I love you, I want your autograph, da, da, da. And boy, it looks like you stepped on a nail having to say, I'm sorry, I can't do this right now, maybe later. You, 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 you never want to disappoint anybody. It looks like it's a personal affront when you cannot give of yourself. Yeah, I, I definitely take it take it real serious. And, you know, I've, I've learned that as a fan myself of, of sports in general. I've been around a lot of other athletes and celebrities and different walks of life. And, uh, you know, I just I try to be the best person that I can be for sure. Uh, before this gets away from me, it was the first thing I wrote down, and, and we're already, you know, 10 minutes past. What were you doing yesterday? Oh, my gosh. What was I doing yesterday? Working. Um, I spent a lot of time doing um, some kind of tackle inventory and preseason prep for, you know, the beginning of the year. We've got a kind of a pretty interesting stretch up where we start on, in Florida on the Kissimmee chain. And then our next event is Redcrest at uh, Lake Norman in, uh, in in Charlotte, North Carolina, and two totally different fisheries, you know. So, you know, just kind of getting everything uh, thought through and lined up for what I'm going to need equipment-wise and, and prep-wise is it's, it'd be here before you know it. I mean, oh yeah, it's, start quick. It, it, it sure will. Actually, I was asking, I, had th- I thought you were on Lake Michigan yesterday. Oh, I, I wanted to, and uh, it, we got fogged in so bad that uh, it was so foggy in the morning that we had to cancel our trip. I was planning on going lake trout fishing with a with a friend of mine, um, you know, here on the pier. You know, the lake trout and the salmon, some of them hang around the piers all winter long, and we've had this warming uh, trend, and I really uh, was looking forward to going, but we were so foggy, and there was enough ice flows that, we didn't want to didn't want a chance at uh, going, so we ended up canceling last minute. So I was um, I was worried about you out working. there. I was I was worried yeah. about you out there. I thought, Holy smoke, this guy is so hardcore. Yeah. And and you know what? It's it, uh, it's it's nice to hear that it's not all about bass. That you enjoy chasing other things. Uh, you ever do any uh, steelhead fishing on any of the rivers near you there? Yeah, for sure. Um, I used to do a lot of steelhead fishing, and I, I don't get a chance to go, but maybe once a year or so. And it's just because the way the season starts off and the weather um, just seems to – it's like ice fishing. You know, it's something I enjoy doing, but we don't always get a ton of opportunities to, to do it. So uh, with, it, with this warming spell that we've had, you know, and, and not having ice on the lakes – there's a good chance I'm going to get to go steelhead fishing, and I'm definitely looking forward to this this uh, wintertime lake trout bite. I mean, the fish, the Lakers have gotten so big um, with with all the gobies in Lake Michigan now. I mean, they're feeding on them heavy too. I mean, everything does these days. But but yeah, so I'm I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to do that, and hopefully I can first of next week. I'm already already actually trying to reschedule that. That that, that is that is great, and. Uh... Uh, I, I have fished steelhead in the uh, in the streams and rivers around Waterville up by you, and you hook into one of those things, and that's like, boy, I don't know what's, what what could possibly be any better than that in the world of fishing. Yeah, there the wintertime steelhead is fun. We've got a pretty good system figured out. Um, 
Well, we catch them with bass lures. Um, yeah, actually, a, a lipless crankbait, a straight king, half-ounce red-eye shad is one of the best wintertime steelhead baits there is. So both on the St. Joe River and the Kalamazoo River, you can fish fish those um, in a lot of those gravel runs. And there's something about that rattle bait. Those steelhead just, they can't handle it. And it's just different. I mean, you can you can fish plugs and the drop back, and you know, and you can obviously fish uh, live bait, you know, eggs and skein and things like that, and catch a lot of fish too. But feeling that bite is what's really incredible. The other thing that I've uh, had quite a bit of success on those steelhead is jerk baits. You know, oh really? What's something I love to do for bass too? So yeah, jerk bait is uh, something else. They they can't handle that erratic action. Oh, that is a uh, that is great, and all our regular listeners are saying, oh, "Wow, he's having uh, KVD on," and we end up talking about steelhead in the river, and totally opposite of what they're thinking or listening to. But we like to do that, uh, you know. Talking about other species of fish, I've always said that uh, one of the things I would like to see the uh, the the big uh, uh, tournament circuits do is uh, run a tournament with two different species of fish, you know, bass in the morning, crappie in the afternoon. It was done a number of years ago. Uh, ESPN had the great outdoor games, and they teamed up a, a walleye guy and a bass guy, and you fish bass in the morning, walleye in the afternoon, and that petered out after a couple of years. But I liked it, and I'd like to see more of it. Uh, what do you think about something like that? Yeah, it, you know, it's so different, Um that, you know, to fish, like like you say, walleye are so different, and it's a different mentality. And But there are there are great bodies of water that you could do that on. I mean, obviously, in Wisconsin and Minnesota, even Michigan, there's places that have great populations of both and that would, would work well for that. I'm always intrigued when I get a chance to fish for, with um, exceptional anglers in, others, in other fields, whether it's salt water or, like you say, some of the walleye guys, because there's, I can learn a lot. So, you know, like uh, uh, the Parsons and Cavias, I've known, you know, Keith, I've, I've known those guys for a long time. I used to spend, talk a lot of, with Mark Martin and Gary Roach too. And we would, you know, just basically talk about different things where we've seen crossovers in these fisheries, you know, things where I'm catching walleye really good on a certain bait or technique and, or those guys are catching basses you know, in a way that I wouldn't think or in an area I wouldn't think. So it's always intriguing to me to um, to pick the brains of, of really good fishermen at whatever they do. And that's that's how I learned to be so versatile growing up here in Michigan is, like you say, is fishing for steelhead and salmon and, and, and pike and muskie and walleye and perch and other things. You know, you learn, you learn, I learned so much about fishing current just from fishing the rivers for steelhead here in Michigan. So you can always learn, and there's always something you can figure out that you can apply from uh, other other different you know species of, of fish or other different areas of the country. You know, I, I love saltwater for that same reason. You know, there's so much you can cross over. Excellent, very very good. I need to take a quick break. Let our sponsors have a word. Uh, won't be long until we get this guy back on again. I treasure every second we get to spend with him on the show. He is the one, the only KVD, Mr. Kevin Van Dam. I'm Steve Sterling. We'll be right back. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, 
Shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. We Fish ASA is back. I'm Steve Sarley here with the one and only Kevin Van Dam. Kevin, you are a family guy. You've got a, a, a great family, two sons, and uh, uh, Sherry, your wife, who is a great asset for your business. Uh, but you come from a, uh, a, a line of, uh, of fishermen. Your dad started a, uh, outdoors, uh, an outdoors dealership, uh, a tackle retailer, and turned into a boat dealership, which your brother Randy operates, correct? Yes, absolutely. And, DNR Sports here in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And his son, Jonathan is a professional fisherman of some repute as well. I'm sure he's had some pretty good training there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so, yeah, Jonathan and I both fish now currently on the Bass Pro Tour. Um, but, yeah, DNR is, is a place that, uh, you know, I started working there when I was 11 years old, and it's grown from a small tackle shop up into, you know, a really large, one of the largest independent retailers and one of the top, uh, fishing boat dealers in the country, you know, and, and that's what we specialize in is, you know, bass, walleye, you know, setting up boats for, for, for tournament fishing, especially because that's our, that's our background. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, uh, it's, it's been a really good place to, you know, to be around. You, you keep connected with a lot of the people in the industry and you see the latest in equipment and, and tackle there right at your fingertips all the time. So it's, it's, uh, it, it's been a, one of the biggest reasons for my success is that background starting there so early. That's, uh, that's very interesting. That really is. And uh, Randy's a pretty good stick himself. Uh, if I recall, he had a very, very famous fish caught a few, uh, not a few, a number of years back. Yeah, he um, struck the Ohio State record smallmouth. I think he got broke this year, actually. I, I wasn't so, sure. I, I I had heard it was, but I don't know if it was ever certified. But w whether or not, tell us about that fish that Randy had caught. Yeah, well, he made a trip over there, and I, I know he was fishing around the Bass Islands. And he caught a nine-and-a-half pounder, 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, at the time, that was exponentially the biggest in, in Ohio waters for sure. Now, I mean, we're seeing a lot of sevens and even eights coming in Michigan. The, the Michigan record was broke twice. The state record was broke twice in a year's period. So these fish just keep growing. You know, we're, I think with uh, the cycle we're on, with a little bit longer growing season and, and the great forage base with all the gobies and, and the great lakes, these smallmouth just keep growing through the whole system. I mean, it's not just here in Michigan, but New York, uh, same thing. They, you know, we're seeing the biggest fish, biggest smallmouth uh, of my lifetime coming right now is these are the good old days yeah it, it sure it sure is and you know you talked about uh, gobies before when we were talking about lake trout uh it certainly destroys a, a lot of the arguments you hear the dnrs uh talking about how bad invasive species are well ex explain it to me because i know that these smallmouth are, are unbelievably sized because they're full of gobies uh uh brown trout my goodness brown trout uh uh, which feed lower in the in the water column are are just eating those things like absolute crazy. But there there are scientific reasons we don't want these food fish in the water, right? No, no doubt. I mean, you you know, when remember when the zebra mussels first got into the Great Lakes, they it was going to be the end all be all yeah. the, at the end of all fishing as we know it, and and and. In reality, uh, they've really benefited a whole lot of it, I think, overall, the Great Lakes. I mean, things change anyways, but, uh, but yeah, it, you know, too much of, of an invasive species, they can, they can choke out, uh, you know, a system, whether it's vegetation or, a, 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 you know, Asian carp. That, you know, to me, they're, that's one of the scariest things I've seen because I know how... Um, how fast they grow and you can only have so many you only have so many cows in any pasture right yeah so, yeah and 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 if they deplete the food source it just it just would decimate the whole food chain it, it, it would you know crush it so yeah I, I get all that but um um you know gobies and zebra mussels have definitely been a benefit for certain species and and it's changed you know others you know i think the walleye fishing um has has definitely changed but more more importantly what i think it's just changed how you have to fish for a lot of these species with the water being clear you know you can't just troll around out there in lake erie aimlessly and catch limits of walleye like you used to when the water was was had a lot of color and stain to it out there all the time now you got to be smarter you got to fish deeper you got to use different presentations and and the walleye fishery there is still excellent so yeah for sure so Things for, change for sure. And I, I've 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 heard that the, the the guys here that fish the Illinois River uh, are real heavily will say that those Asian carp have moved where the fish are. Uh, it didn't. It hasn't eliminated fish. It's just moved them. And you know, fishermen are stuck. At, well, they caught them here uh, five years ago. They're going to catch them again. And if the fish moved, they, they're not really in the mood to go spend a lot of time looking for them. So they get shut out. And that's not the way it is. You got to you got to adapt like the fish are adapting. I think the fish do a better job adapting than the fishermen do. Uh, it's it's just the way it's just the way it is. Uh, it's 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 different. You know, you change fishing. Totally. Back when you started uh, reading some of the uh, old press stuff, it, it was like you were uh, Dr. Frankenstein creating a monster. My goodness, you were the inventor of 
power fishing. Uh, you were described in the magazines as being like a machine, you know, just boom, 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 uh, uh, throwing those baits constantly like nobody had ever done it before. Did you feel like you were revolutionizing a sport when you started? No, I just was doing what um, what I had, and, and that's the nature of all sports. You know, competition drives people to be better. To, um, you know, I mean, look at look at the NFL today compared to what it was twenty years ago. Look at uh, Major League Baseball. Look, you know, look at hockey. Look at golf. Look at I mean, look what Tiger Woods did to golf just by having a, a workout uh, resume. You know, I mean, so that's what motivates people to be better is you compete against people that can beat you and you change, um, you know, you work harder, you, you know, when I went to school, there was every, almost everybody was a three sport athlete. Now kids these days, if you want to be successful in sports, you've got to focus on one sport, you know, and, and fishing is no different. These young kids that are coming up now into the tournament scene, you know, they're starting at a real young age. Um, you know, they're, they're uh, really focused on, um, you know, learning as much as they can and being diverse and, and, and getting experience. And, and that's, you know, that's how the next generation is going to be. You know, you have to work harder at it to be successful. Makes a lot of, makes a lot of sense to me. You've been doing this for a long time. You have had more interviews than anybody should have to be put through. What's the worst question you've ever been asked? <laughs> well, I, you know, one of the hardest things for me is, you know, I'm an outdoors person at heart when I when I'm grown up, and um, you know, for for people that don't understand fishing or the outdoors lifestyle or anything like that, uh, it just that, that's that's for me is, is some of, one of the most challenging things when we've had you know run-ins in the past with like PETA and and that over overfishing and. Um, it's just, those, those are difficult situations. You know I mean? I have my own mindset about things, but you have to respect other people's opinions as well, whether you believe in them or not. And so some of those have been some of the most challenging times that I've had to deal with is, is really assaults on the, our lifestyle or, or what, um, you know, what I like to do with my livelihood or even just in, in, in tournament fishing in general, you know, it's like, why would you want to do that? You know, compete um you know with, with the fish people just people fish for a lot of different reasons right most people the majority of people probably fish to relax to get away from you know for enjoyment to get away from the pressures of their job or or whatever um and and you know there's a whole world of of competitive anglers that thrive on the competition so and it's the same way you know i mean in other sports I like to golf. I enjoy it. I'm not very good at it, but I in no way, shape, or form ever think that I'm going to be competitive at it or, or even like to bet against my buddies with it because I just that's just not why I do it. So everybody has their own, um, you know, thoughts on it. But, you know, I think the great thing about fishing is that so many people enjoy it for so many different reasons. Excellent. Very, very good. Um, very good answer. Uh, I don't want to uh, create controversy. I may not be given enough time to get the right answer on this. I know you don't participate a lot on social media, uh, which is, uh, you know, a mare's nest for arguments. And uh, 
stuff, but all I'm seeing now is everybody's complaining about the forward-facing sonar. Uh, it's too easy. It's ruining fisheries. What do you think about that? Well, they said the same thing about the Alabama rig when it came out, and uh, it, 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 it hasn't in it's the same way. It's another tool. I think most of the people that are complaining about it don't even have it, don't want to spend the money on it, don't want to try to learn it, don't want to understand it. Um, you know, it's no different than a lot of other technologies that, that help you be more successful at, at fishing, at finding fish or, or you know, boat control. I, mean, I can tell you this, that the advancements in technology with both electronics and trolling motors, having spot lock, uh, being able, you know, Lake Master mapping, things like that. It's just this huge plus into being able to uh, have an enjoyable time on the water for, for the average fisherman. And as a competitor, you can't compete without without it. So, um, you know, they can complain all they want, but it's it's here and it's it's not going away. And, and it, should, know, it shouldn't go away. It shouldn't go away. No, it's, 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 a, it's a good tool, and I'm, I'm tired of hearing people complain about it that, number one, don't have it. Number two, if they have it, they don't know how to use it. So just figure out your own little world and go there. Hey, what, what's the uh, what's the thing that TH Marine made that uh, calls the fish? Yeah, the hydro, hydro wave. There's another example, you know. It doesn't, I would say it calls the fish, but it definitely, you can activate them and keep them more active. But, you know, a really good analogy for this is, you know, my dad, um, he's grown up fishing. He's the guy that got me started in fishing. My dad's 84 this year. Um, this past season, I put a mega live on his pontoon boat um, to use for bluegill fishing. Yeah. And he has been, he's one of the best bluegill fishermen that you'll find in the summer. I mean, when they go offshore and get deep, He's really good, always been able to catch him. Does use electronics, just regular 2D sonar. And, you know, he's got a GPS on there so you can kind of find the, find your areas again. But that right there, to watch him um, see how to use uh, a hummingbird mega live for bluegill fishing, you know, he it just changed the way that he fished. I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible tool for it and again even though he's 84 years old it took him a little while to understand what he was seeing and how to use it but now he won't fish without it you know because it's just it's it's so much more efficient and at his age he can't go for 12 hours on a day so the time that he's out there is much more enjoyable and um you know he, he has success so he goes out there catches his you know six to 12 bluegills enough for a meal for him and my mom and and goes in and has a great time doing it oh fantastic great answer uh, and our time is is gone i'm so sad i've got a page full of questions here i'd love to ask you we never got to please promise me we'll do, be able to do this again and get to the rest of the questions kevin <laughs> we do it pretty regular so anytime fair enough hey he is the one and only kevin van dam without a doubt the greatest bass fisherman on planet Earth. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a great season. We look forward to talking to you. And again, thank you so very much. Thanks, Steve. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, Molly Simpkins from the Guide Relief Program. She did a great job, did she not? Dan Johnston, him and Dave talked about bucket list fisheries. Very, very interesting interview by those two guys. And uh, 
I got to spend about a half an hour with the one and only KVD, Kevin Van Dam. I hope you enjoyed listening to that just as much as I enjoyed doing it. Kevin Van Dam, what a guy. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.